Hi, I'm Bob, and this is podcast number three. And today I wish to discuss and put some information out there that hopefully will be supportive for you, the client, and uh, you have a better understanding about mediation and what that actually means. What I've learned over the years is that uh, a lot of parents come to mediation, they follow the process, but they don't totally understand what it means for them. And while you're trying to deal with all the the negatives and the, the um, difficult things and uh, emotions that are happening in your life at that time, you follow through with it with, um, I guess, with little interest because you're not fully aware of what it does for you. You think it's just part of the process, you've got to tick the boxes, etc. I want to talk about mediation, how important it is for you and for your children. But before we go into that, just let me say this to you. It's a disclaimer again, but uh, letting you know that this is just information. Um, I talk hypothetically about some things, and that may be what I'll say, but it's not legal advice. I'm not a lawyer, so therefore I cannot give you legal advice, and I suggest strongly that you don't take this as legal advice. Because um, if you want legal advice, please see your family lawyer. Okay, I hope that's understandable for you. Okay, you made the decision that you are finally going to mediation. You've been told you need to mediate before you go to the next step, which is the family law court. I'm not going to touch on that right now. That's a whole different planet. Okay, mediation. What do I do? What's it all about? Well, first of all, it is purely a voluntary process. You don't have to do mediation. It sounds a bit, it's a catch-22, um, if you understand what I mean by that. It's an old saying, I know, but it just means it's uh, something you've got to do, but you don't have to do it. And the reason for that is that if you do want to go to the next step, which is the family law court, you do have to at least try mediation. If it's not successful, then okay, family law court may be a way to go. But back to mediation. You've said yes, you've agreed to do it, and you make an appointment, and for argument's sake, you make an appointment to come and see me. We have a, we sit down and have a chat for about an hour, hour and a half, whatever time frame it takes, and I listen to your story. I want to hear what's going on in your world. I want to hear what it's like for your kids. It's not about the other parent. You'll be talking about the other parent because I'll be asking questions about the other parent, but I want to hear what it's like for you. And in that uh, time frame, um, I'll be making notes, uh, just brief notes, which help me better understand what's going on in your life, what is your story, and what is um, what's happening for the kids. So it, you know, so if there there are times there where um, you get onto something that might be very sensitive to you, I'll gently unpack that with you if you're in a position to do so. You don't have to, but full disclosure is the best thing um, because then what it, it actually does then, it gives me a better idea and, and I, know, I know what's important for you and I know the things that will be delicate for you and I can certainly work around that and support you um, uh, so that you don't feel uh, in a bad place, you feel confident and comfortable that you're sharing this information with me. Um, I may have already said it anyway, but it is totally confidential. So whatever you tell me, I will not be discussing with the other parent. So basically, that's what happens. And by talking to me and disclosing as much as you can or you're able to in relation to your story, 
and uh, it gives me an idea as to whether or not you need additional support. <coughs> Excuse me. If you need additional support, and if the separation is still something very, very um, hard for you to negotiate, and there's a lot of emotion and pain still happening in your world, then I've got to understand, uh, well, I've got to s decide whether or not mediation is appropriate for you at that time. And the reason I'm saying that is because is that as important as mediation is for you moving forward, it's a process that you must enter into when you are ready. And if you are not ready, because there's ongoing matters that um, are pressing you at that time, then you need to deal with them. And if it means you have to get um, counselling support, psychology or psychological support through that, um, if there's domestic violence uh, involved in the, in the relationship, all these matters need to be attended to. They have to be attended to before you can proceed to mediation. Let's look at the, um, uh, the emotional aspect of it. If, if it's very difficult for you to talk about it, if it's very difficult for you to be around the other parent at that time, then these are things that need to be addressed. It's not uh, of any benefit to you to be thrown into a room with the other parent if uh, you're not in a position to be able to face them, talk to them, look them in the eye, whatever that is. So with mediation, I'll say this, that you can have um, a shuttle mediation and that means that you'll be in separate rooms, but separate uh, rooms have to be arranged. So prior knowledge to that is very advantageous for me and for you so we can work through that as I only have one office, but I can certainly arrange to have a separate uh, office on the day. So that's if you need that shuttle mediation. If you've got ongoing psychological uh, support and counselling, then I need to know and be comfortable that you are okay with proceeding to mediation. So that's another thing that has to be looked at. The other thing too, which is equally as important, is if there's a domestic violence order out. If there is a DVO out, then that has to be worded so that you are able to be with the other parent um, for the purpose of mediation and or counselling. If it doesn't state that, the mediation cannot go ahead until the DVO is worded accordingly. So if I read that it says that you cannot be in the same premises, I cannot proceed with mediation. And for obvious reasons, that means that uh, if we were to go ahead, I'm actually supporting you breach the DVA. So we're all, all in trouble and I don't want trouble and you don't want any more. So they're things that we've got to look at. They're the important issues. Your uh, emotional fitness level, I've got to assess where that is. Um, if you can be in the same room with the other parent and if there's a DVA. Let me talk about the shuttle just a little bit further. That a shuttle mediation... And certainly go ahead, of course. However, it's more powerful if you're in the same room. And if you can be in the same room, there is a greater benefit for that because with a shuttle, um, or benefit for you basically, and for the mediator, of course, but it's not about me. But if you can be in the same room, you know what the other parent's like and and I would be watching and, and very concerned in regards to how you react and your reaction to each other helps me understand how sensitive, how important a particular issue might be at the time. 
However, if it's a shuttle mediation, what takes place is that I go from room to room. And when I do that, it just means I relay the words from room to room. I can't relay the emotion because that's not my, it's not my emotion. So I just relay the words and I become a messenger. So yeah, there's a lot of um, shoe leather used on the day. But if I just go from one room to the other room relaying the words, then I have to relay the response back to the other parent. So um, if you just said no to a response, then that's it. And I take that back to the other parent. So there's a lot of stuff that doesn't get said, doesn't get heard without the body language and the direct contact. However, it's your right to have shuttle. I'm just explaining the difference between the both. Shuttle mediations can uh, put a pause on proceedings and can stop valuable progress being made. However, it's your right and your choice and you're entitled to take that course if that's what you want to do. Anyway, I hope that's explained a little bit more to you about mediation and what to expect from it. It's a great tool. It will help you. It's what you need to do about owning the agreement. And on the day, if you get an agreement up and running, one that you can live with and one that's in the best interest of the children, bear in mind, it's not about getting 100% of what you want. It's about... Um, give and take, negotiation, compromise and coming up with a decision and a, a, a resolution. And if that's what you could do moving forward, you're doing your kids a great justice and, but you must be in a position to be honest and say, I can live with this and I'm comfortable moving forward with that. So I hope, as I said, this has helped you and uh, on the day, always ask questions. Never stop asking because there's no such thing as a dumb question. Just before we close, I'd just like to um, reiterate, this is talking about one client, but it's a mirror image for both. Um, what we've just discussed will be the same uh, process for the other parent. And um, so when that's done and provided mediation is appropriate to continue, what then happens is that we organise a time and a date um, that suits both both of you, both clients, and um, our office will just uh, communicate with you and work out the time and date that suits you. We're usually pretty open with times and dates. We have um, have that scope to do that. And uh, when, when that's arranged and everything's okay with both of you, then you come along on the day for mediation. So... We arrive, um, we get you to arrive, say, 15 minutes apart. And as a mediator, the way I prefer to operate is I like to have a quick catch-up, 15 minutes with you before you go to mediation. It's just to, I guess, to keep up to speed with what's happening in your life because I know um, if you've got a, a lot of things going on and things happen, there's changes all the time in your lives and um, there might have been some major change come through that I was not aware of. Uh, since we last talked and so therefore it's just about me catching up with that and having a better understanding uh, because it may have some impact as to where where the mediation is going to go or if it comes up it might be another issue you've raised that I wasn't aware of so I need to work through that with you and um, just so that we ha I have better knowledge of that. So yeah having said that it's basically about uh, you guys coming together sitting down and sometimes I co-facilitate so I have another mediator there and yes I'd like to add to it's important that you understand this that 
um, any agreement that you come up with on the day is not a legally binding agreement and you don't have to sign it. Okay, that's a big question they ask. Um, a lot of clients say, my lawyer says I'm not to sign anything. There is no requirement for you to sign anything on the day. It's purely uh, an agreement between both parents, which is a legally, uh, sorry, not legally binding. And um, it's, there are steps you can take to make it legally binding. Uh, I'll explain them in more detail to you on the day. Your lawyer will support you through that. If you were to sign them on the day, it just means it's the first step towards um, it becoming a consent order. And, um, <clears throat> but that's your choice. You don't have to do it and uh, you take the, um, the agreement away. Sometimes if I've got the resources there, we can have it typed up for you on the day. But failing that, it will mean that it'll be typed up later and then forwarded to you via email uh, when it's complete. Okay, I hope that information's been helpful for you. So until our next uh, podcast, uh, just uh, keep moving forward, keep thinking, keep being positive, and um, you have a good day. Bye.